skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash just break up. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like knowing who to trust mm. when we try so hard and still can't get what we want and building up our sibling relationships. Mm. Yeah. So before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health providers. Uh-uh. We're not licensed advice givers. Mm-mm. I don't think there's a license for that. But if we there was one, I would consider getting yeah, one. Yeah, I would. Like, especially if it was like a weekend course. <laughs> yeah, no, like if it was like we got to go to like Palm Springs for, <laughs> for like a week 10 hours. and like hang out at a resort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is all to it's say. like like Cheryl Strayed. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, it would be so great. And then like no, no, no. your Abby's it would there. Be, it would be like a hike up. <laughs> the pacific northwest and you would hate it <laughs> get it no i'm not Mm-mm. okay literary Mm-mm. reference for your english majors out there months i know it's a long ass trip girl i read the book 
Well, no, I listened to it on audiobook. But anyway, this is all to say that we are unqualified, unprofessionals. We don't know what we're doing. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our literally very humble opinions to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. Sam, I am so excited about this check-in topic. <laughs> We've been sitting on this check-in topic for a couple days. No, fuck it, like a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Because coincidentally, Sam and I are just like on the same wavelength and menstrual cycle. <laughs> and um, everything is a menstrual cycle to me. Um, Despite the fact that we no longer live together, our, our, we're still synced. Yeah, yeah. His hormones are so strong <laughs> that... <laughs> They just vibe to me across the country. Okay. It's a fucking weird start to the episode. Um, Okay. But we, we randomly both like went through old boxes from our past around the same time, which means we found notes and letters from our first relationships or whatever you want to call them. They're both from like Mm -hmm. different time periods of our lives, but we we're going to share them with you. We're not going to like read them verbatim we're gonna like decompress <laughs> we're gonna process through our findings with you all so yeah um so if you have old letters from oh old flames yes. that you want to get out and read right now like we can all share It'll be like in a, this moment yeah, together you know um <laughs> i the so i'll just say what i have and then like very brief first observations and then you can say that and then we can start unpacking them so what i have mm-hmm. is i have I've I fucking had no idea that I still had these notes. These are I have two notes from my very first boyfriend in sixth Aww. grade. And if you notice, oh, so not tent sex boy. No, no, not tent sex boy. If you can see the thing, I'm oh, holding it. <laughs> There's a heart over the eye. I'm holding it up in the Zoom thing. It's in the same one, Sierra. Um, and, he really loved you. And then I have another one from a boy who ended up being like one of my best friends all through middle school and high school um, who had a crush on me in seventh grade when I was dating my sixth grade boyfriend still. And I'll tell you about that later. But so this is another like middle school thing. But if you see it on the outside, it says... Um, Sierra only like a hundred times on the outside. <laughs> and then if you open Aww. it up to the first thing, it says Sierra, my cousin's name and his sister's name can only see this. No one else may read this. Surgeon general warning could be oh, harmful cute. to physical and or mental health. <laughs> and I'll tell you why there's that big warning on it later. Um, uh. Uh, I also to, in full transparency, I found like tons of notes and letters from my first um, girlfriend that I had in college. So like at 18 and 19, that relationship mm-hmm. was so unhealthy and so bizarre and mm-hmm. so kind of scary to read the notes, like to be like, wow, I was in it, you know? Um, and I threw them away cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal. Um, so that's one way to handle it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they were, um, it was bizarre, you know, like we, she was dating somebody when we first met. And then, so there was like a very tumultuous, like getting together. Mm. And so we wrote like some mm-hmm. really intense notes and I, and then we also ended really poorly because I like left her for someone else, obviously, which was something I did for like the next 10 years of my life. Um, <laughs> and it was, 
it was just kind of like it ended nasty and it was toxic. And I just, I didn't want to unpack it. The one thing that I would say about that relationship is that looking at those notes was like, wow, I did. I thought this was what love was. I thought this was Mm -hmm. healthy and okay. And I, I wonder who I would be if I was listening to just break up at 19 or 20 at that time, you know, because I couldn't. That's a great question. Yeah. I just, it was so, I was so weirdly unhealthy. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, my and then my first impressions of my notes. Well, I'll save it. You tell us what what you have. Okay, I unearthed. My mother gave me a box of things. Yeah, most of which was um, Lord of the Rings paraphernalia, <laughs> which I think I talked about before. Um, like a huge box of Lord of the Rings paraphernalia. It was I was like, oh, that's right. This was what my entire bedroom was was just little action figures from Lord of the Rings. Um, Love that for then, you. <laughs> Also, like in there was just like, I would guess probably 30 to 40 notes um, from my high school girlfriend who I dated from 2002 to 2004 or something. So it was like freshman and two two whole years. Yeah. And let me tell you, I was very tumultuous. Um, And the best part about them is that the notes, I used to keep the notes in this like cigar box that my uncle used to have. So like when I brought them out they like smelled very oh like God. woodsy oh yeah and, like, and nostalgic i like, bet a little yeah it was great <laughs> mm-hmm. i was like oh yes this is all flooding back um and then i read them and i have some feelings about them. <laughs> i need you to share what you shared with me right before we press record which is that some of them are from you yeah that you would either never sent or mm-hmm. that you emailed her <laughs> which i love so much yeah. and must have printed out <laughs> yes and to be so like she was the pastor's daughter at my church Woo! and we didn't go to the same high school. Okay. So much of our relationship was exchanged in letters to each other because we only saw each other on Sundays, basically. Listen, I know, <clears throat> I know, um, that your life is not a stereotype at all. Like I know <laughs> that you are like a multidimensional <laughs> human being and that this is uh-huh. just very coincidental and that people are, you know, nuanced and dynamic and all of these things. But that is the greatest homosexual cover up <laughs> I've ever heard. Long distance number. No. And then the pastor's daughter, like way to mm-hmm. like never have to get in her pants ever. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Was that was not an intentional plan but like, that's what worked i'm saying out really is well like, in my favor yeah exactly i it's not that i you know you are not a movie script however that could be <laughs> right um cute okay so i'll unpack uh how do you want to do this uh, oh you go first okay so the first note i have um <clears throat> i do want to share one thing from my high school sweethearts um, just, just something that I found at the end of the box. Um, but I'll share that at the very end. Cause it's just an aside that I want to tell you. So, but I don't mm-hmm. want to forget. Um, okay. So, um, what's really cute is like, so the, the notes from sixth grade, like haven't gotten my period yet. Haven't kissed <laughs> anyone. Um, uh-huh. but the notes are, they're very sweet. They're very direct. They're very elementary. Like, um, I really, uh, like you, um, I have a few questions. Maybe we can go to the movies on Friday night because I'm busy all day Saturday and I can't go on Sunday. Logic, right? Detail oriented. <laughs> no wonder I loved uh. him. 
Um, <laughs> do you what movie do you want to see? It doesn't matter to me. Do you want to sit alone or do you want to sit with said previous cousin and her gentleman caller? Um, and then do you want to hold mm-hmm. my hand or not? Well, got to go. So cute. Love you. P.S. Oh right God. back. I love you. Signed. So and so. I know. Um, and the other one is similar to. Oh, yeah. Like, um, uh, do you? Oh, my God. This is, I will just say this because it's so fast. This is the other note. Lots of people keep asking me, when are you going to kiss Sierra? I keep saying, I don't know. All correctly punctuated, by the way, <laughs> like with the quotations. Yeah. Do you want to kiss? I don't care if it's not in front of a lot of other people. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Be direct. I'm um, no, just kidding. And then it says, I don't have AOL yet, but my mom says we're going to be getting it any day. Now, P.S. Love ya. P.S.S. Right back. Love so and so. Um, so my first reflections upon these letters are like, holy cute crap, you know, um, cute, consensual, polite. He was very sweet, but also like sixth grade. I remember feeling like this was so important. And in that box, too, I found like diaries in which I was really stressing about it. Mm-hmm. And when this boy ended up breaking up with me, the theme of this podcast, <laughs> Um, uh, did he cheat on you first and then break up with you (laughs) no he stole all my money just kidding Um, he I remember being really hurt crushed you know and then being like well maybe Mm. I can just like time has passed I'll ask him again called him up and was like hey I was wondering if you wanted to like be boyfriend and girlfriend again and he was like no I'm good thanks and I was like okay cool me too and I remember hanging up and being like "Eh." but on the phone Uh, I remember being like yeah okay cool I was just like you know just checking but like whatever (laughs) yeah play cool yeah um but I I I do think it's interesting like how how important boys or like romance was to me at so young you know it's it's funny how subconscious um and immediate the need to be desired not even sexually but to be loved is you know and that that we now that i i've been like nannying for a family recently and so i've watched a ton of kids stuff recently and man that is all about like love and specialness Mm -hmm. and like finding a love because you're special and things like that and it's it's no wonder that I'm like falling head over heels for this person. Oh, and the last thing I want to say before we move to you um, mm-hmm. is that so when this guy boy broke up with me, um, I found journal entries uh, about like really ragging on girls that liked him. Um, mm, so there was mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. and and that was like a common theme in a couple entries about boys and being like so and so, you know. I'm going to make up a name. Rebecca is going to be so jealous when she finds out that so-and-so, you know what I mean? Like, or like, oh, he only likes Rebecca because she has boobs. That was one of them. <laughs> That's legit. Because, you know, like sixth grade, in, I didn't. In seventh grade, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. only half of you have them. I know. So. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to add to the commentary is um, the internalized misogyny that I was expressing at in sixth fucking grade is mm-hmm. bonkers. Okay. Uh, That's real. Your turn. So mine's a little different um, because all of these letters are about her <laughs> very debilitating mental illness wow. and like the way in which I am like 
saving her from her mental illness. Tell me how that makes you feel. (laughs) Yeah, which is like a lot of pressure as a gay boy who's like literally not attracted to this woman. Yeah. No, it's a lot of pressure for a (laughs) young person whose brain is still developing. Absolutely. Like there's one letter in here where I was like, she literally just told me she's going to commit suicide tonight and I need to like call the hospital, which I did. So wow, did you? I called her mother actually is what I did. I called her mother and told her. But I didn't remember that until I read this letter and was like, oh, that's trauma that's been sitting with me for a long time. Wow. Oh, I just want to like commend little Sam, though, because I don't think I would have done that. I don't think I don't think I learned the muscle reaction to like, you know, go get someone who can deal with a mental health crisis. Not, you know, like that I'm ill-equipped. You know, I didn't learn Mm -hmm. that until I was in my 20s. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's not like, to be clear, that was like the moment I called her no, mom. No, I but, get like, it. There's a lot of letters in here that indicate that I was like really trying to fix her. Um, but it's like reading the letters that I wrote to her are so interesting because it's like, here are all the reasons why I love you. Mm. Or like, here are all things that I think that you should know about me. Or like, here's how we can work on this problem together. Which means that I was like, obviously getting all of these letters that were like, I'm worthless, I'm horrible, whatever, yeah. whatever. Which is like, reading through the letters, that's that's really what's happening. Um, which was like a very good insight into me as a person now. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. Why I am the way that I am. Mm-hmm. So Limited resources. <laughs> yes, that's right. And like, yeah, just feeling... It's interesting to me that I have I had this relationship where it was like I was being called on to help in a way that was like outside of my ability to help. So because yeah, I also, and then like yeah. look at this like now we have this podcast where it's like you and I sit here and like try to help people yeah, all the time. So totally. like, obviously I learned it young and it makes me think like I don't know maybe this like helper person in me was like something that I had always been oh, right or like absolutely. something that I learned even younger. Yeah, I I think that's beautiful. I think that's a beautiful response to that. Instead of instead of seeing like look at me overextending myself or look at me taking it being taken advantage of by this young girl, which you weren't, but also were, you know. But it's yeah, I mean we were Yeah, you were kids. Fourteen years old. Like we didn't know how to Inter- interact yeah. with the world. <laughs> totally. Um how did that breakup go? Um I don't remember quite uh-huh. what happened. I know that I broke up with her at church, like in the church building. Yeah. Like not in service, yeah. but like that's all we did was that we hung out in church together. Um, And then like a week later, I wrote her a letter and was like, hey, by the way, I'm gay. So, <laughs> Did she ever respond? <laughs> she did. We had like a very good conversation about it. Cute. And I remember her just being like super affirming and being like, you know, this is really hard for me, but like I also want you to be you like and it was like very healthy and mature so i think at that point she was in therapy and was probably like building up some tools to have these types of conversations so amen that was good um one thing that i realized though was that we were like obsessed with music though cute all we did was talk about music well that's what you do when you're younger you know yeah she loved ben queller um no idea who that is all of her letters (laughs) i honestly wasn't super into him but she definitely was like all of her letters are just filled with like ben queller quotes (laughs) i have no idea who that is (laughs) should i i don't know he's like a singer songwriter guy yeah um okay so uh love that love sharing that um Mm -hmm. two more things i'll share before i'm done with my segment unless and you know i want you to share more if you have more um 
so going back to my uh, middle school questions or letters, um, the letter that I got from my friend was basically like, and I didn't remember this until I read it. Um, he was basically like, again, we're talking sixth grade, seventh grade, sixth grade, prior to like dancing close to each other. <laughs> um, and, he, uh-huh, yep. and he's like, um, uh, basically dating one of my friends, dating, oh my God, girlfriend, boyfriends with one of my friends going out with, that was the phrase, right? Oh, I'm going out with yeah, this yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> When's uh-huh, the last time you yep. said that? Um, okay. So he was going out with one of my friends and I was going out with the boy who wrote the first two notes. And he was basically like the beginning of the letter, there's like a heart or a broken heart. And it says, <laughs> and it says, that is the question. <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I love this boy. You would love this boy. I'm just gonna read. He's totally gay now. Um, he's not. Damn it! I know. <laughs> Let me just read the first paragraph. Um, Sierra, I have learned that I'm not in a quote girl phase. I've learned that I really like someone a lot. That person is you. Love is a word still yet too strong, but soon I might have. I'm, I might have. Sierra and love by each other. <laughs> Are you joking? We must. This is awesome. <laughs> we must hide the plans better. Um, boyfriend, uh, n- name redacted and name redacted might find out soon. I don't even know what these plans were that I was like conspiring. Anyway, it was basically like back and forth. Like, do you like me enough? Should we do this? But then, and then honestly, I love this guy. He signed it and said, your true friend. I know, oh. and then his name. Um, <clears throat> I love him. P.S. Sorry for the sloppiness. I wrote it at night by flashlight. Also, you've been on my mind all day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, why I wanted to share that was it was I actually fucking took a screenshot of this letter and sent it to him because we are still friends on social media and we were like, oh my god, the drama. Um, it's so amazing. Yes, um, but. Uh, I wanted to, this was surprised me because again, the drama at sixth grade, I I like, I imagine being a mother to like a, what are you, 12? (laughs) You know, I imagine like, you know, being a mother to a 12 year old and finding out that they're in a love square, you know, like (laughs) I would be, I would be concerned, but also like not, I have to remember, I'm not a parent yet. So like, I just have to remember that like, this is how people unfold socially sometimes but um this is how we learn the social skills that help us become adults right (laughs) like it's by testing these boundaries and like putting on the the trappings of these things so that we can like learn what they actually mean and how they actually feel totally and like accepting it and and embracing it and like helping them through that is gonna actually teach them that it's like nothing to be ashamed of yeah i guess yeah i guess i think i think part of me mourns like and i don't mean this in a weird like puritanical way but like the loss of innocence you know um Mm. because i i inherently you know what i see in these notes is like me not um, feeling good about myself, you know. I I know that that was behind it. I know that I mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. boys to like me because that made me feel good. I guess that's really human too. If mm-hmm. I'm like being a little bit more understanding of my twelve year old self, that it's not that I had like, it's not that I was like um, pickled in self loathing quite yet. <laughs> it was that. 
it was that I was interested in in being liked and and anybody is. And that's what honestly that is what middle school is all about. <laughs> yeah. It's just being horrible to each other and really wanting to be liked. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but I do have one note that I like want to read because I, can't I think wait. it's really funny. Yeah. Um, it is from me to this person that I was I dating. love that we get to hear your inner, you know, your your narrative. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's like printed out. Because um, it was an it email. Says, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, dear this person, today you asked me why we have all of those silences. And I think this is why we don't really know each other. We never share anything with each other. Our relationship consists of conversations about politics and somewhat physical things. I don't know what those physical things were, but I'm sorry. Like are you 14 at this point? Of course, yeah, you're talking yeah, to politics. Sure. You're, of course, you're talking about politics and analyzing why there's silence in your relationship. Hi, I'm a type five and always have been. <laughs> um, so I've come up with a list of things that I want to share with you. I cannot so wait. I ready. Th- you you literally wrote this for me in the future. <laughs> You wrote this for this like, moment. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to read a single one of these letters on the air, but I will definitely read this one because wait. it's all about me yeah. as a 14 year old. <laughs> I buckle up, JBU. Okay, I'm ready. One. Okay, one. I feel like our relationship is about to keel over and die. Is that what you so, wrote? Yeah. So, like, way to start with that one, Sam. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, to the jugular. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, that's how you're going to start. All right. Number two, I have no friends that I can really talk I to. Thought, oh, oh, okay. Well, let me process that. But I thought you were going to be like, one, Legolas is the coolest character on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> we'll get there. You no friends. Uh, number three, your mom scares me sometimes <laughs> because her mom was the pastor. So that makes sense. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh-huh. This la- Four, the th- the two things I cannot stand are immaturity and intolerance. Still true. Still true. Still true. Honestly. I can't. This is going to, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be capable of doing the show after this. <laughs> Continue. I literally, I were going to be like, here's some things about me. I like blue. Legolas is hot. Oops, he's not. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. Five. I hate John Mayer. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know why we had to Topical. why we had to call him out specifically and like way to go into the negative Sam and not like. Well, like talk ten about years after you like. wrote this, he came out as like a big d bag. But <laughs> that is true. I just like was ahead of my time. Yeah. Six. I have horrible social skills. <laughs> That's not true. Seven, eight, nine. I wish I wasn't so pale. I wish I wasn't so skinny. I wish I had more self-confidence. Aww. I have a bump in my chest and I'm very self-conscious about oh, it. Oh, Samuel. God. <laughs> I, know, right? I just want to... Yeah. Is that the end of the list? Oh my God. No, there's 30 things. Shut total. up. <laughs> is there any highlights that you want to read? <laughs> yeah. Let me... Um, I haven't cried since seventh grade. Well, we took care of that. <laughs> I love to write, but I think my writing is bad. Oh. I wish there was something I was really good at. Oh, Sam. <laughs> uh, um, you're the most amazing person I've ever met. I've never wanted to I be wish I could... your mom more. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could make all your problems go away. Yeah. You mean the world to me, and I've liked you for a long time and still do. Aw. Yeah. Sam, look at you flexing your emotional vulnerability via that's right an email um i this makes me want to hug childhood you Uh and it also makes me want to like 
if all of our just breakup listeners can just like picture themselves in middle school and like like give that middle schooler a hug because that's what your brain mm-hmm. is like in middle school for sure because all of a sudden you're like oh my god i i'm not this child that can do anything or imagine anything but instead i'm like this awkward preteen teenager um who is now comparing myself to everybody and it it all of a sudden you know how like big and scary the world is and how other people have an effect on you and you start mm-hmm. comparing yourself to others and oh yeah no and it it made me realize that like my definition of vulnerability was like showing all the bad things about myself wow right? like, i relate to that so fucking hard Hundred percent. Where I was like, "Oh, those were all things that I was ashamed of, and that I assumed like people didn't know about me. And if they knew those things, then like they wouldn't love me in the same wow. way. Like I could only show those like flaws to like people who I was trying to be vulnerable wow. with. Like everything on that list was so negative, and I was like, "Why didn't you share things that like are positive about yeah. you?" But I think it's like in that like. We talk, I talk about this and I stole this from Ask Polly, but like, you always think you're the most fucked up person in the world, yeah. right? Like, and it's, it's crazy to me that like in ninth grade, I was like, oh my God, here are all these horrible things about me that I can never show the world I know. and I can only show you. And that's how I get you to love me. Like, yes. It was just oh like, my God, that move right there too. Wow. 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 Yeah. I'm so, yeah, I, it's, I, we didn't plan this because we didn't talk about the letters in advance per usual, um, yeah, right. like our personal notes. I mean, <clears throat> but I'm cl- I'm kind of glad that I like threw away those toxic notes um, because if I had shared those ones, it would have been exactly the same. That relationship was so filled with like self-loathing mm. and like trying on other identities to like or like burying your soul and being like, these are all the things I hate about myself. Let's like sit in this mm-hmm. loathing and, and love each other. You know, it was yeah, for sure. And it makes me like, it makes me when I think when I'm hard on myself now, like looking at that letter makes me think like, this isn't, this is the, the person that is being so hard on himself is like this 14 year old boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, so it's like, it's, it's a good reminder to me to like, be kinder to myself like this is something that that i'm that i learned very young yeah and that like is an extension of this this deep hurt that i felt as a young yeah. person i'm gonna i'm gonna like pull that out what you just said and make sure that our listeners heard that clearly because you're saying the the mean voice in your head now today as a what are you 32 year old um mm-hmm. is that 14 year old boy who was insecure and scared and didn't know how to love himself that is Absolutely. so accurate and so profound if we think about like when we're treating ourselves poorly it is the remnants of how we learn to hate ourselves really mm-hmm. you know and yep. and you've grown past it in so many ways but when that voice comes back it's still that 14 year old boy who needs to be told that he's beautiful Absolutely. that he's accepted mm-hmm. um that he doesn't need to earn his way into love by taking care of people you know yeah yeah and you know we sometimes talk about like giving that that negative voice, like a name to be like, yes, I hear you. Viper. And I know you're trying to hurt. <laughs> I know you're trying to protect me, but I don't need you right now. And it's like reading that letter again is like, I should think of that voice as this 14 year old boy mm, that wrote I this note that. and like want to give him a hug. Right? Yes, like, exactly. Want to embrace him and be like, yes, I understand that you're being so hard on yourself right now because you're scared and you think that people won't love you if they see the real wow. you. Wow. 
And that also does something that I, th- I we should get to our letters, but that does something. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Well, well, this is such a good conversation. That does something that I really love because I think oftentimes when we talk, when, when our inner monologue gets, becomes cruel, it almost mm-hmm. makes us more cruel to ourselves. God, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm speaking to myself so poorly. Like, mm-hmm. why do I do this to myself? Why do I speak so negatively about myself? No, no, no. It's, I hear that voice saying those negative things and that voice is probably coming from fear it sounds like it's afraid Mm. why don't i give it a hug like why don't i tell that 14 year old inside me that they don't need to be mean to me to to receive love i'll give it to them freely or whatever yeah yep that's so real all right let's get into our letters anyway We hope that you that was, enjoyed this. That's fun. I know. I knew it would be good content. And I'm so glad that I didn't read. Well, I'm so glad I just threw away those notes because, I don't know, that was like 12, 14 years ago now. So mm-hmm. I'm done. I don't need to go back to that. <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, but uh, the the content aligned nicely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Let's get into our letters. All right. Our first letter comes from Conflicted and Confused, who is writing from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I love your podcast so much. It got me through a really tough breakup with a toxic ex situationship that kept coming back from the grave. And during COVID, you've been such a joy to have in my ears, like hanging out with best friends. Mm. I'm writing you because I just started a new relationship-ish. Relation-ish. <laughs> relation-ish. I like it. A bit over two months ago. We're exclusive, but still taking things sort of slow, so we aren't using the boyfriend-girlfriend labels yet. Everything has been going really well. I have an avoidant attachment style, and he has been so incredibly patient with me, giving me the space I need, while still communicating with me just the right amount so as not to overwhelm me on our days off from seeing each other. He is sweet, vulnerable, reliable, and just a joy to be around. He opens up to me a lot about his past, reason why he thinks his former relationships failed, and the things he has learned from each experience— I feel comfortable slowly opening up to him too. That's something I haven't done in a long time. It's been many years since I have met someone and thought to myself that I could really see potential in them. I know it's only been a couple of months, but I've just been overwhelmed with good feelings about him. Here's the issue. I received an anonymous message today. This person told me that the guy I'm dating is unsafe emotionally, has slut-shamed women, he's ableist toward mental illness, uses women for sex, and is a serial dater who burns bridges all around him. I know. That's a lot to, to put in one anonymous text. They said he's caused a lot of pain to the women around him, that he's well-intentioned but harmful, and that the behavior is compulsive. I won't get into the entire message because it was very long-winded, but just so you know, there were not any more specifics, just a lot of wordy stuff. I'm at a complete loss. This is not the person I know at all. Since we are on lockdown and both work from home, a lot of the time we do spend together are in pretty lengthy chunks. I feel like two months of spending two to three full days together a week is enough time to get to know someone's energy, but maybe I'm just caught up in all my brain chemicals and biased. I wrote the person who messaged me back and told them that this wasn't my experience. I thanked them for reaching out and then they blocked me. When I told this guy I needed to talk to him, he immediately said I should come over. We talked for an hour or so and he tried to give an explanation of who it could be, but couldn't pinpoint someone. He seemed as genuinely stunned as I was and told me that he was hurt that someone felt this way about him and didn't just reach out to him directly. He did make me feel a bit better about it because he didn't get defensive at all. He just tried to reassure me, but I'm still terrified. 
I'm a feminist and I always want to believe women. While they pointed out a lot of toxic traits, none of them really screamed overt abuse to me. I mean, hell, I've definitely had my days of being a player. I could see someone saying similar things about me, aside from the slut-shaming and ableism. My already avoidant tendencies are flooding back to me. I'm proud of myself for initiating a conversation about it instead of stonewalling or going ghost. But my God, what does this mean? Is this just a jilted ex? Is this person fair to warn me? Do I take the risk of those toxic traits coming to light over time? Do I trust this person I've grown to care for so much or this anonymous tip? Do I break up? I really like this guy and I want to trust him. And I'm working so hard to build that. I just don't know what to do help me. Wow. This letter is so interesting. And so, Mm -hmm. um, this, uh, thank you for writing. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for trusting us with this, like really nuanced. And yes, it's so complicated. And, and Mm -hmm. I don't know what Sam is going to say. And I don't even know what I'm going to (laughs) say. I, I take notes beforehand and like, I'll just jot down some things I want to say. And I had none until I just, (laughs) I just didn't know before being in the moment, I, I don't know or didn't know what I was going to say, um, I think, which is mm-hmm. just proof that, like, you're in a really, really complicated situation. Um, and maybe mm. and maybe that's what I'll start with, is that I've been trying to give myself a new level of, um, I guess, distance from the things that I'm experiencing. Um, mm-hmm. it, this might be hard to explain, but, like... Um, you know, if there's something happening in my life that is adding stress or anxiety to my life, I've been, I've been trying to say, wow, this is a difficult situation, but it's not in me. It's not of me. Mm. I'm watching it go by. I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. it, but it's not me. Um, and for some reason, um, just that slight distinction of saying like, wow, this is a hard situation. No wonder why you're stressed, Sierra. But this situation mm-hmm. is not you. You're watching it go by or you are experiencing it in whatever ways you're experiencing it. Um, yep. s- for some reason, that slight distinction has helped me process or at least carry my stress differently. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense because I know it's kind of like a nebulous idea. But to to your point, letter writer, you can I can say to you. This is a complicated, confusing situation that you are watching happen in front of you, but you don't need to internalize this. You don't need to carry the stress like it's your birthright, right? You don't need Mm -hmm. to carry it. um, uh, This is not a problem you need to solve. You just need to see yourself through this complicated thing. I think oftentimes Mm. we seek... We're like, oh, wow, I'm in a stressful, anxious um, situation and I need to solve it or I need to find the right answer or, all. you know, we see it as like a capitalistic equation that we need to solve or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. instead, this is just like a hard, tricky situation that you're in and whatever outcome comes um, of it, you just need to prioritize like taking care of your peace, taking care of your, um, your wellness, making sure you're trusting your gut. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's something that has been in strengthening me lately. Yeah, I think that a hundred percent makes sense. I mean, that's like the virtue of detachment, mm. right? Is that like recognizing that like, this is something that I'm experiencing, but this isn't me. This mm-hmm. isn't, and saying like, 
I think this is the first time in my life like, that I've I've thought that. And I know that must be mm-hmm. simple, but it was very profound to me. Absolutely. And that like to a certain extent, there are things outside of our control, right? Like we you didn't pick the direction right. that this situation was gonna go in, right? Like you are on a river, like you have some autonomy over like sort of where Getting things out the move boat. and <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But like but really like you are part of a, of a bigger system or a bigger like world that is sort of directing you. And and these situations are happening to you. And all you can do is sort of choose, like, do I steer right? Do I steer left? Do I backpedal? Like, and that's it, right? You can't, you can't control the river. Right. right? I think that's a beautiful metaphor. And it makes it easier to say like, okay, well, great. Then I can't control the river, so I can't change its current, but I can adapt to it and I can move this direction. And it it takes some of the burden off of you to say like, yeah, there's only so much I can do. How do do I solve this impossible problem? Because that's what you've been (laughs) like. You don't have to solve it. You just have to figure out what the next step is right in front of you. Um, And I have a question to like pose to you, Sam, and to like the universe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'm... Like, for example, the letter writer wrote, like, he wasn't able to pinpoint someone who did this or who who wrote Mm -hmm. this letter. And my initial thought was like, well, like, maybe he could and he just didn't want to share it with you, like, explicitly. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe he could pinpoint someone, but he doesn't necessarily... I'm not sure he has to. And I just wonder, Sam, are we obligated to... So say all of this is was true about him at one point in his life. Are we mm-hmm. obligated to repent transparently in to our new, new partners or are we allowed to grow and um, move through life without that? I guess I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. And it's hard because like, I, I just want to say before I let you answer, like, Obviously, I'm not pro any of those things, right? <laughs> Obviously, all of those things, I'm like, ah, dang, that sounds unattractive. And and that's another thing the letter writer might be experiencing. Like, wow, to picture you doing these things, like, ooh. But, yeah, yeah, but like, we all, we all do things we're not proud of. We all mm-hmm. have so much unlearning to do from the things that we were taught in an ableist white supremacist sexist society right mm-hmm. um and and are we obligated to like t- am i obligated to tell my new partner like how i couldn't express my needs well in my last relationship so it came out via manipulation no i don't think so i mean it's hard yeah our our journeys of self growth are ours yeah right and i think um you know, I would, res- I would, I would respect a person and do respect people who are able to own the things that they've done in a way that isn't self-serving by being like, I'm the worst. Right. I did a horrible thing. I'm such a bad person. Right. Or I'm, I'm honestly, I'm always in awe of people who are like, yes, I did this thing. Yes. And, um, I recognize that it was a bad thing to do and I'm doing better and I'm, I'm sincerely apologetic and I, I feel bad that I did it and also recognize there's nothing I can do about that now except yeah. for to just be better. Like, I think that that is a great, I think that's a very attractive personality trait. In people, super hot. Right? Like, like I'm super into that, yeah. but also recognizing that like not everyone is capable of doing that. And I, um, I don't know that he needs to apologize for it 
in a way that's like explicit, right? Right. Because I, I also think that there's probably a situation, there are situations where people don't know that they're doing the things that they're doing, right? And I think um, it's important to recognize that we are all, we all should be doing better and we all should be behaving better than the things that society has taught us or in the ways that society has taught us to behave. And also that these are ways that society has taught us to behave, right? Like we are not always cognizant and aware of the ways in which we are exercising Mm -hmm. the horrible things that we've been taught. Um, And that is a real thing. And I, and I hope that your, this person that you're dating grapples with that and thinks really hard and long about like, wow, what are the ways in which white supremacy, what are the ways in which patriarchy have indoctrinated certain behaviors into me right. that I have exhibited? And I am, and what can I do to make those things better? Right. Right. Um, and I don't know that he's doing that. Yeah. We um, don't know. Huh. I don't, I don't know him. I don't, I'm not in relationship with him, but that would be some, if I guess if I were in your shoes right now, conflicted and confused, that's what I would be looking for Yeah, is to say, let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. Like even if these are things that are, you know, if, if even this, this is a woman that has been jilted and like wants to lash out. Right. Which is also very possible too. like, what are the things that you have internalized? Like where, what ways have you shown up in way in like a problematic way? And like, how can we as a partnership think about ways to like address those, call those out, change yeah. those behaviors in me and in you. Right. I think what's so fascinating and tricky about this letter too is it's not only that somebody came to you and said your new bow is um, perpetrates all of these things. Like, not only do we need to process that the potential, like that he has like a shitty past or is a secret shitty person, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but also that somebody <clears throat> came to you. Like that is such a mind fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, seriously. Like this yeah. an-, an anonymous message. Yes, this person, this anonymous person feels a lot of obligation to you and that would really stress me out like that they went Mm -hmm. to these measures to write you that would really stress me out because like i i would if i was in your situation i would think well what would make me write this letter you know Mm -hmm. and it would be an extreme however i think like after processing some of that initial discomfort i want to say to you that this anonymous person is obviously feeling a lot of obligation to you or a lot of, you know, lack of control and they want to control the narrative that's happening truthfully or not about this person. But Mm. this obligation that they feel to you can mean whatever you want it to mean in your life. Just because, again, just because her reality tells you or tells her uh, or them that they have to write this letter to you, that this is something that they have to do to seek peace and justice in their world doesn't mean that you need to carry that obligation into your life. If you want Mm -hmm. to, like, here's the truth of the situation. This might be enough of a deal breaker for me because it would make me so uneasy and paranoid. Like legit. And I think that's, that is a real, a legit reason to break this off because of that, that situation. And I, I can absolutely understand that. But, and I think Sam would also agree, like this also doesn't have to be, any more than you want it to be like it can mm-hmm. just be wow this person's experience with i mean at, with my partner or whoever my situation or situation ish or whatever it was 
uh-huh. um, concerned them enough that they felt the need to reach out to me, but their reality is not my reality. And I feel comfortable in that, um, mm-hmm. that I, people, that is just, that's just a reality. That's, that's how I would move forward that one or the other. Um, and one th- quick thing I want to say is like, you know, obviously Sam and I are not pro the things that this man is accused of doing. Um, but like we've said before, we all have this unlearning to do this growing to, and both Sam and I and our partners, well, maybe not Peter (laughs) and our, and our spouses were bad people to some people at some time in our lives. Like it, like, sure. Yep. Uh, and I say that not to like, not to side with this, with your bow, but instead to be like, well, I don't know. We're, we're, you're in a tricky situation because people grow and change. Mm-hmm. And, and people are, and, and people's experiences and realities are nuanced and complicated and different from other people's right. experiences and realities, right? Like, and I just want to say, like, this isn't a situation where you're not believing this person, right? right? Like, it's not like you're a bad feminist because you are, like, legitimately <laughs> questioning whether or not this person, like is telling you the truth or like their experience was the experience that you are having with this person. Right. Like I think that yes, like absolutely. We need to believe women in a like cultural sense, right? Like we need to like women's experiences need to be believed and women who have been victims of violence and victims of abuse, like need to be believed over the men that are perpetrating that abuse. Right. Because like, that's not the balance that we have right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the balance is always like, believe the man and think the woman is like a shrew who's trying to like bring him down. That said, there are levels of nuance and complication in every story and in every situation. And when it is like directly pertaining to your life, you get to make decisions about like, whether or not you believe this anonymous person who is asking you to doubt your own reality and your own experience of this person in a way that doesn't actually ask for partnership, but instead just sort of like drops the bomb and leaves. Right. Yeah. So like and I would just jump on that too. And like maybe push, push us culturally a little to be like, mm-hmm. you can believe you can, you can believe and believe yourself. Right. Like I, Absolutely. I yep. 100% believe this anonymous writer's experience. I I, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's some, um, well, who knows? Maybe they're angry, but like, I don't think they're doing this out of spite. Um, because mm-hmm. they're, they're doing it because their reality has told them that this is worth doing and is important to do, sending this message. Mm-hmm. So I 100% believe their experience of this person. But I equally believe in people's ability to grow and change and show up in different ways. And this has not been your experience with this person. So until then, you get to decide what you're, what it is. I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, don't get me wrong though. Like, I think my, my brain is like turning over like right now because it's such a hard thing. Like, I guess super bluntly, like Sam, what would you do if this happened to you? <laughs> I would do exactly what you did conflicted and confused, like have the conversation about it. Be like, what is happening? I would look for honestly, like an acknowledgement of, or an acknowledgement of like, yeah, I mean, I probably did things that people are angry about. Right. Or like that. Yeah. Like I, you know, haven't always been the best person and like I've made mistakes, like some sort of contrition to, to, or at least an admitting of the fact that 
this person's perception of what happened could in fact be real, mm. right? Even if it wasn't intended and even if they if that wasn't their experience, like that would be something that I would look for. And then I would just trust myself, right? Like if this hasn't been your experience with this man, it doesn't mean that you're a bad feminist for staying with him, mm-hmm. right? But you also now have the the ability to be vigilant yeah, about some that's of these what things, I was gonna right? Say. And use this as a jumping off point to have a conversation about what's appropriate and inappropriate in a relationship. Absolutely. How do you want him to show up? How do you want him to communicate? And vice versa, right? Like, let's take this moment of sort of, of like questioning and be like, okay, well, this is a great opportunity for us to actually be honest with each other and, and talk about things that we are ashamed of and talk about ways that we want to show up for each other in the future um, so that you can hold them accountable to not enacting these things that this woman says that he is doing and and use this as a a moment for change and growth rather than you know like throwing out something that might be really good because an anonymous person told you that he is kind of an asshole to people in the past yeah i agree and and i think that like there's no situ i think that was the most succinct way to say everything we want to say. Thanks, Sam. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the last thing I'll say is I don't think there's any part of this situation that isn't uncomfortable. And so part of the Mm -hmm. process is just saying like, wow, this is uncomfortable. This message made me, this experience is uncomfortable. Again, I'm experiencing it. I don't need to internalize it. I can, I can process through this and see where I end up on the other side. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, my darling. Uh, We know this is tricky. Um, but stay true to yourself, trust your gut, um, and keep having those difficult conversations. We believe in you. Thanks for writing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame 
and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter is from I really tried, I swear, in all caps. <laughs> Writing to us from the Bible Belt Hell. Sam and Sierra, congrats on the Spotify DTR. I'm a longtime listener and have appreciated you both so much and Big Cats for everything you do. What a loving oasis to start my week or end my night. All to help us not have to learn the hard way. We do anyway, don't we? So here goes. I have a close friend, one whom I met two years ago through mutual friends at a party I was hosting. Let's call her Courtine. Like courting, the thing you do it, you know, before you date someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Very old fashioned. I like yeah. it. We have a r- rather large circle of friends that are all a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. I have been the only straight ally identifier in the group in 10 years of friendship. Somehow courting and I never met until two years ago when she'd leave an outing with her friends i'd join that outing fashionably late for years i heard about how amazing she was at a party i finally met her she was such a force so beautiful and tall cultured classy well-mannered well-rounded i immediately wanted to be friends with her fast forward two years and we became pretty close seeing each other maybe once a week our friend group slowly broke up some drama some petty feuds moving across the country schooling work etc We still all stay in touch with each other, albeit sometimes in the salty gay. So how is so-and-so doing way? (laughs) As we all formed space between us, Cordian and I grew closer. As we grew closer, she began to bring me bouquets of flowers for no reason. Buying me dinner, asking if I needed anything, leaving flowers at my doorsteps, inviting me out of town with her. She hated all of my boyfriends. Never a good thing to say about any of them. I didn't have any clue what was going on in her head. I just thought she was the sweetest pea to pop out of the pod. I didn't think anything romantic or sexual was being pressed. One evening on what would forever be the worst couple's beach vacation ever, fistfights with ex-boyfriends, ambulance called, spent the night in jail, 
two grand in an Airbnb damages. Courting was there with her boyfriend and she was my knight in shining armor. Helped me to the car, drove me to the Air- her Airbnb and ordered food so we could sober up. Her boyfriend went to sleep. She then, in a whirlwind of emotions and alcohol, told me that the only reason she ever came to the party two years ago was because our friend Kay had told her all about me and showed her pictures. Courting professed that she had been in love with me ever since she met me at that party and that she knew I wasn't interested in women. She asked what I thought the flowers were for and all the affection. I was oblivious. We kissed. I kissed her. In hindsight, I was such a wreck from all the things happening in the day that I couldn't think straight. I gotta make a joke there. (laughs) I'm sorry. Pause for laughter. (laughs) No, it's just me laughing. Okay. And I wanted someone to love me more than my ex and his empty kisses. We had sex that night. After that weekend, we ended up going through some traumatic things and started dating. The trauma bonding sent us spiraling into each other's arms, neither neither of us thinking twice. We dated for about two months. We didn't have sex a lot because I didn't want to if I wasn't tipsy. She didn't make me orgasm, and my mind was always floating around to the idea of one man or another. I eventually broke up with her. She always promised that if she couldn't please me the way a man could, that she wanted me in her life no matter what. I hoped that to be true. I really did. I really do. I gave it such a sincere try. I knew I wasn't gay, but I thought maybe I just was afraid of being a lesbian, which seems absurd because I'm at every Pride event possible since 2013. But I tried, damn it. She treated me so much better than any man had ever. Now, we still talk every day. It's been about three weeks since the breakup, but there's definitely an elephant in the room, that every room that we enter. I can sense her jealousy. She's even tried to hook up with an ex of mine, which she didn't end up doing. She still cries about me. I know it. And she still sits too close and brings me flowers. She says she loves me every night. Sam and Sierra, I don't know what I don't want to lose my best friend. She's so perfect. She has a beautiful soul and she's been hurt so many times in so many ways. How do we get past this? It feels shady to know she loves me, loved me the entire time. Like that's why she was trying to be my friend to begin with. That hurts to think about. I know she still thinks that there's a chance for us to be in love and live in a small farm with chickens and woodworking shops, but there just isn't. Did I mess up entirely? Is there a way back from this? Is this a plausible environment to thrive? Thank you so much for reading. I really tried. I swear. All right. This is a lot. Mm-hmm. What are your initial feelings, Samuel? I just want to say, first of all, that like this is a really difficult situation to be in. Um, I think even regardless of, of the gender reality that we have here, right, of, of you, you know, trying to make it work with a woman, um, I think trying to make relationships work with people who you're not attracted to or who you're mm-hmm. incompatible with is like really hard, especially when those per- people were your friends or people that you actually honestly love and you just can't figure out how to make that relationship work. Right. Um, and that's just really, really challenging. Right. Um, and, and we talk a lot on the show about sort of like compatibility issues and how they feel so stupid because like, There might be so many things that are going right in your relationship that are bringing you together. And it's just like this one thing that just isn't working. And it can be the thing that totally derails every part of that relationship. And that 
that's really hard to to wrap your head around. So I'm I'm sorry that you are going through the situation and um, wanted to give your friend what you what she was asking for and just found that you couldn't do it. Like right. That's that's sucky. Right. I agree. I want to like take gender out of this because I feel as though you're wrapping this already complicated breakup up in this idea of like, yeah, I tried to be gay and I can't and I feel bad about it. Like that is almost like victimizing yourself to this to to an identity that you wanted to try try, you know, which we're Mm -hmm. all able to do. Like, I'm not shaming you for that at all. I think I think. I think it's it goes beyond the everybody's a little gay thing, you know. I think yeah. <laughs> I, I while like yeah, I've said that in my past. I actually mm-hmm. believe like everybody is what they want to be in the moment they want to be it. Um and and more importantly, I think that you can be straight your entire life and then all of a sudden meet one person who defies everything you've ever understood about your own love and affection and attraction. Um, mm-hmm. and, or you can be exclusively in same sex relationships for your whole life. You know, like, um, I, I'm less concerned about the idea. I'm less concerned about gender in this situation. And I'm more concerned about the fact that, um, you have a friend, um, that you guys tried to date. It didn't work. And now you're doing this, this very familiar dance where, you keep each other close, you talk every day, you do things that look like dating, and you do it all under the guise of like, oh my God, but we still want to be friends. And we still want to be friends in these very unhealthy, very codependent, very relationship-like ways. And we want to mm-hmm. do it all. We want to get, we want to have our cake and eat it too. Um, and I mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in such a pointed way, but like, that's what's happening here. You don't want to lose your best friend. But like to be very blunt, my darling, you don't have to be gay. You don't have to be straight, but you can't be friends with your ex right now. <laughs> I, am I wrong? Like this can't. You're not wrong. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know that this is, I normally try not to speak so universally or like broad strokes, but like this friendship will not thrive if you don't give it some space. Mm-hmm. Because right now, especially since, you know, this person was in love with you for two years prior to this relationship as your friend. If you want this friendship to thrive, then you have to put some space between the relationship, the love and it. Give it some time to heal. Give your ex time to heal over the fact that that you don't want to be with her like this. And then maybe revisit it with new boundaries like mm. don't treat me like we're dating if we're not dating. Right. No flowers, girl. Yeah. And and you have to say no to those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just think time and space, time and space. I think that's absolutely right, because I think the big issue here is that that the relationship needs to fundamentally change. Right. It can't. It, we, there's, there are no cosmetic changes or cosmetic fixes to this right now, because you your relationship your previous relationship was built on her having feelings for you and sort of like trying to make those feelings come to fruition. Right. And now, and then dating. And now you have to say like, okay, neither of those things worked for us. So we need to come up with something completely different. And it takes time and space to be able to like heal from the ways in which this relationship didn't work for both of you. 
And also give yourselves the time to really think about what you actually want out of this situation and whether or not that thing that you want is actually attainable in this situation too, right? If she really wants for you to be her girlfriend and to buy a chicken farm and woodworking shops, right? Like, and you know that that's not the reality of what you can offer her, then you need to be able to create the space and the boundaries to say, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, create the reality. Mm-hmm. And right now it seems like both of you are clinging to this relationship with two different goals in mind, mm. which works for a while, but only leads to, you know, self-doubt, to um, resentment, uh, to like exhibiting really unhealthy behaviors. Because if you're, if you and your partner are not aligned in what your goals are for this relationship, um, and that's not, and that's partner with a small P, right? Like that's, that is your partner, your business partner, that is your Friend. friendship your cat, right? If you're not aligned <laughs> in your mission together, then then you are going to diverge in your relationship. And and you can, it's better to look at that and say like, we don't have the same goals. And so we shouldn't be putting in this work together than it is to try and put the work in together and have those awful feelings be built up and, and lash out at each other or resent each other or treat each other poorly. Right, exactly. Um, and I know this is going to be really challenging because you guys, you divulged some trauma that you guys experienced, um, simultaneously that, um, we edited Mm -hmm. out of the letter. And so I just wanted to like acknowledge that I know you guys are dealing with some like top notch premium trauma, you know? (laughs) Um, and I, first, I just want to say like, I'm sorry for that. Um, and I'm grateful that you guys had each other. But your life and your support system does not end and begin at her and your friendships don't end and begin at her. And that might sound harsh, but just take it from a stranger across the country who has who who can see outside of the bubble of intimacy that you guys are under right now. Um, A lot of things, like Sam said, a lot of things need to change for this friendship to be a friendship again, because it's not Mm -hmm. right now. It's not. It is a um, it is a relationship post breakup. It's not a friendship. Friendships take time to develop um, under consensual um, circumstances with a shared vision in mind. Right. Friendship, not dating she had this vision for dating for so long. Right. Mm-hmm. And you guys are, po- you you are, this is your ex. This is not your friend. And I need you to treat her like your ex for a while. And you don't need to Absolutely. be cruel. You don't need to be heartless. Um, I don't even think this is a black box, black scenario. Although Sam might think it is, but I, I mean, I always think right. it is. So, <laughs> but I'm saying you, you guys can't talk. You, you need to break up. You need to break up. (laughs) Yeah. You just just need to, you need to do what you do when you break up, which is stop talking for a while. Um, and then Mm -hmm. you can say, okay, we're going to stop talking for a couple months. And after a couple months, I I really want to be your friend again, just like she said too. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So go ahead, Sam. No, it just, you're, it takes time and space to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and feigning this friendship right now, isn't going to, to, help you in in what your goal is which is like actually getting to a point where you two can be friends yeah faking a friendship in any way like it's not it's not a real faking a friendship for the sake of niceties for the sake of the idea of your friendship isn't investing in your friendship 
Absolutely. Um, and I want to say one last thing um, just about sexuality, although this letter to me is not about that. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. glad we answered it as such. Um, I just want to say for anyone out there who is in a, this position, who's questioning or who is like having sex and then is like, what does this mean about me? Am I not gay? Am I gay? Am I straight mm-hmm. or whatever? Um, you know, I've had like my first share of sex <laughs> with multiple partners with multiple women and multiple men um at different times but also like mm-hmm. you do you um <laughs> yeah um and i want to say that uh almost every single sexual partner i've ever had is different has sex with me differently right mm. and so i just want to say just because you didn't enjoy your se- the sex with this girlfriend um, doesn't mean you might not enjoy it with a different partner with a different body and a different taste or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're straight, go. That's, that is also awesome. <laughs> you know, like there's, right. there's no shame. Basically what I wanted to leave you with is that there's, there's no wrong choices there. There's only exploration and following your desire. And if there's mm-hmm. another woman that comes to you, I don't, want you to think that all um like because all sex with men isn't the same like god we don't sometimes it's a little monotonous but like (laughs) um but like i'll you know sorry that was a bad joke but (laughs) all you know every sexual partner is different and the way you show up in sex is different with every sexual partner so i just wanted to say that because there have been times that my little queer and confused heart that wanted to not be bisexual or whatever i am like i wanted to be Mm -hmm. all gay or wanted to be all straight and Mm -hmm. so you know in the early years of my queerness i would have sex with a woman and i'd be like oh god this is not for me right (laughs) Mm. flash forward i'm married to a woman (laughs) who i love to have sex (laughs) with right in the way that we have sex so like um i just wanted to share that as a little piece for anybody who's out there and is feeling as though they are too straight or too gay or too nothing absolutely all right my darling um we know you really tried and we love you for it but um uh now you just have to do the hard thing, which is like breaking up even more to, for, for the health of your friendship. It is That's an right. act of and love. I, absolutely. And I, I just want to call out that it's really hard to do this. So hard. It feels like a cruelty, especially when you feel like you're the one that caused the problem in the first place. Yes. Right. Like that idea of like, oh, if only I were more attracted to this woman, I could have fixed this problem. And now I have to do the hard thing of, of breaking off all contact with her. Right. Like, yeah, that's a double whammy of guilt right there that, that I, I see and I feel. And also what you are going to do in breaking off this friendship is actually a kindness to this person. It is actually the nice thing to do in this moment. And what it would actually be more cruel is to continue to let this person supplicate themselves before you knowing that you can never actually give them what they want Mm -hmm. in this situation. Right. And so then the kind thing to do is to say, I can't give you what you want. And so I need to take a step away from you because it is too much for me and it's not healthy. It's not helping you. It is not, I am not able to do this thing that you want me to do. Yes. And that's hard, but it is at the end of the day, the kind thing to do to this person. And you're capable of doing hard things. 
Absolutely. That's that's it. Way to articulate everything we wanted to say. <laughs> All right. We love you. Perfect. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our final letter of this episode comes from O Brother, who is writing for um, my car before therapy, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you so much for this podcast. It is my favorite listen every week and has fundamentally changed how I approach the relationships in my life for the better. I want to ask you for advice on how to build a healthy and intentional relationship with my brother. First of all, I want to give you some context as to why I feel it is extremely important to me right now. My parents don't have a healthy relationship. My dad is the primary aggressor. It is escalated to include physical intimidation, verbal abuse, withholding emotional support, financial discrepancies, and even recently tracking. Mm. My father's parents fueled the situation by trying to manipulate my mom, and she has drawn a strong boundary in the last year where she no longer sees them or takes calls or texts from them. COVID has only made the situation worse and more urgent. My mom has confided in neighbors and family that live close by about certain aspects of what is going on and has safe out plans and does have the funds to be financially stable on her own. I have told her that I am supportive in whatever choice she needs to be safe. However, she tells me that she still loves my dad and doesn't want to do anything to disturb up my brothers and my lives while we are out of school. My brother is two years younger than me. I am finishing graduate school and he is finishing up undergrad. We do not have a strong relationship. As kids, we fought frequently and didn't have many subjects to connect on. I'm a theater kid and he's a sports guy. Now we get along pretty well, but we only really connect over the holidays when we are home and maybe text three times during the semesters while we are away. We connect over stand-up comedy and board games, but never on the intimate issues of our family. I want to be able to talk to my brother about the situation with my parents. I want him to be comrades with me to reassure my mom that we are okay and in my personal belief that she needs to leave. He and his girlfriend were staying with them during the initial lockdown for three months. My mom has told me that he really became embarrassed about our dad's actions because of having his girlfriend seeing them, and he told her he doesn't think it's acceptable. But it feels too scary to just jump into the subject with him Mm. when we really have no rapport and haven't discussed it before. As context, he experienced some of the physical violence from my dad as a teen, and I don't want to bring things up for him out of nowhere. It seems that most people assume sibling relationships are what they are. You either are close or not, and that's just how it is. That can't be true. My question is then how do I even start to build a relationship with him? How do we begin to connect and really rely on each other? What do I do if he doesn't want to connect with me? Once we have started that foundation, how do I talk to him about our parents and about the support our mom needs and deserves? Thank you for your thoughtfulness and care. I really appreciate you even reading this. Sincerely, oh brother. Oh brother, thank you so much for writing and for the care that you put into this letter. I first just want to acknowledge, and I'm sure Sam is with me on this, how much caretaking and thoughtfulness that you are putting into this engagement um you 
I want to commend you for it. And I also want to just um, illustrate it for you that, wow, you are, you feel a lot of pressure. You have, a you have the, mm-hmm. the, the health of your mother on your shoulders. You have the, um, your, you are, you want to be available to your brother so that he can better process this, like so that you mm-hmm. two can then help your mother move through this. Like you are carrying a lot right now. And I just want to acknowledge that um, and tell you to take a deep breath um, and that uh, everything is going to unfold as it should, um, regardless of how you show up for the people in your life. And I know that's a really hard pill to swallow for us caretakers um, because we, we see someone in distress and we immediately think, what can we do to help this? Right. What can, how can mm-hmm. we take this on? And I think that's incredibly noble. That's, that is your superpower, but it is also what will, um, really just uh, suck you dry sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So the more awareness we can put around how much we're carrying for the sake of others, uh, the, the the more equipped we can put it down sometimes. Do you know what I mean, Sam? Mm-hmm. Or, or do you relate mm-hmm. to that, I'm sure? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in full disclosure, um, oh, brother, like had a very similar situation happened with my parents where um we were also really concerned about my mom's safety and like that's a really really hard situation to be in to yes. have to reverse that understanding of the world to say like now oh my God, i'm yes. the one that has to that has to provide the safety to this person that i've always thought of being like the safe place for me and i don't know if that was your relationship with your mom because i don't know you and i don't know your relationship but um, that's a hard thing to do. And also to know that the danger is from someone that you also really love too. Right. Like that's, um, that's really hard. So I want to sit, I'd say that to say exactly what Sierra is saying is like, let's look at that mm-hmm. and say, this is a lot to be carrying mm-hmm. a lot to be carrying. It is incredibly difficult. It is like, it is unexpected. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, and there's no, you know, there's no self-help book really. That's like, here's what to do when your parents are abusive and you need to like make your mom safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there aren't a lot of articles out there about that. Um, and so like, it's just really, it's really hard. And so I want, I want to say to you, I love the idea of you having a, a more intimate and more uh, vulnerable relationship with your brother. But I also want to ask whether that is to serve you, to lift the burden off of you, to help you process through this, or if it is to, uh, try and take care of your brother because you deserve help yeah. and camaraderie. Absolutely. Yes, and I if that is the reason for this, I absolutely 100% agree. Like, let's talk about how to do it, but I don't want you to feel like you need to take on even more right now, yeah. right? Like, at some point in our lives, we have to triage sort of what we are able to take on for others, and you know, worrying about your mother's safety is a lot is huge. It is like, that is like, that's it. Like, that's the the thing on the plate. There's like nothing else that can go on that plate right now. Right. And so just, just take a step back and like breathe <laughs> and ask yourself that question, right? Like, is this because you're looking for support and love and guidance from your brother? Or is this because you are looking to, to do more caretaking? Um, because you know that he's hurting because he's seen the same thing happen to you. And that, 
you don't need to caretake others right now, right? Like you need to be taken care of. Mm, I love that, Sam. Um, yeah. And that all being said, I, I also, you know, like my siblings are very important to me as I know your sister is important to you. And mm -hmm. I think this letter highlights something really interesting that happens in a lot of sibling relationships, which is like the disconnect that kind of happens when one like maybe goes to college and the other is in high school, like the time spent apart, right? That you go from being kids and being in the same house and then one of you goes to school or one of you moves out and the, then the other one moves out and you all of a sudden becomes adults outside of each other and you have to mm -hmm. rebuild the intimacy that is just assumed because you're siblings I think we often mm. make that mistake that like um, family members, there's this assumed closeness when in reality, like we, we need to work for that intimacy like we do in any other relationship or friendship. Um, and so the, the, what you're calling for in this letter, this desire to be closer to your brother is very natural and um, is a part of growing up too. I think it's like, well, how, how do I interact with family members as a fully formed adult and they're an adult. Like, what are new boundaries, new connections that I want to make with them? Um, so if you decide that, like, answering Sam's questions, if this is a relationship that you want to pursue, or if this is a goal that you want to pursue for the inherent closeness that you would get out of it, the camaraderie, the support, mm -hmm. um, and not just because you feel the need to be there for everyone else, um, then I would say um, I would start. How about this? Like when I imagine your brother, when I imagine your home, um, it must be a really stressful place sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe what he needs is a family member that is reliable, consistent and easy. Like a family member who is a is like a level of normalcy, right? Like maybe there's a small tradition that you can do where you, every month you go to the movies together, right? And you mm. build this and you build this tradition together of, of this safe thing, right? And then maybe all of a sudden you go to dinner after the movie and you bring up something that you want to talk about or he brings it up, right? Like I think... Um, intimacy can often be opened like a door when you say like, Hey, what are your feelings about mom and dad? But oftentimes mm -hmm. it has to be built. Like it has to be grown, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's perfectly acceptable for you to tell him what you want out of the situation to mm. say like, Hey, I would I really want to spend more time with you. It feels Period. like we're not mm -hmm. connecting. Um, and I think, you know, with everything going on, it would be nice to have a brother that like we, I can just hang out with. Right. And, and talk about stuff with, Yeah, right. It doesn't have to be like, we need to, I want you to be on my side so that we can get mom out of this place. Although that is a tactic, right. If you are, if that if you is are your not goal, able mm -hmm. to, Right. If you if that's your goal, exactly. If that's your goal to say, like, you and I need to provide a united front and we need to, you know, have conversations with mom about how she we think that she's unsafe and she needs to what are the steps that she needs to take to get out of the house? Right. Like 
that is one goal for sure. And you can do that. And you can do that with a sibling you're not close with. You can have that conversation with someone that you don't know that well, right? Like, or if what you're looking for is like that more closeness, that camaraderie, you can all, you can just say like exactly what I said, like, Hey, I would love to spend more time with you. I'm interested in getting to know you better. And, and like for us to hang out more, can we do a date night every month? Yeah. Right. Or you want to come over when my friends are over and like talk, although that's not really a COVID safe thing, Yeah. but like maybe in the future someday that'll happen. <laughs> like whatever it is to, to build that relationship, because you're right. Like sibling relationships aren't often, oh my God, we're the tightest. We're such good friends. Mm-hmm. In fact, right? I think most siblings grow apart and then grow back together as adults. That's for sure. This, what happened with my sister too, right? Like we were not cool <laughs> when we lived together. <laughs> what a great description. She went to college, <laughs> right? She went to college and like suddenly she liked me. And so we spent more time together. Yeah. Um, and then like, we just sort of drifted in and out of being close and not being close. And then both of us, I think when my dad died, mm-hmm. were like really intentional about like, no, we want to spend more time together. <laughs> right. I totally, um, which is really great. And like, we're much closer because we made that intentional decision. Yes. So I think being really explicit about sort of what you're looking for without being like demanding, mm-hmm. right. Just being like, this is what I want. Is this something that you want to, how can we make this happen? Right. Let's, let's join in together in this shared goal that we've identified for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the reality is also that I want to talk about too, is that like, your question is like, what if he doesn't want to connect with you? And like, yeah, what if he doesn't, right? Like, let's ask that question mm-hmm. and say like, what's going to happen if he doesn't want to connect with you? I'm so glad you well, brought the... that up. <laughs> right? Like you, we can have all these tactics and we can be strategic and we can share our feelings and try and create shared goals with people. But like, he might just say like, I'm not interested. Right. And that's going to suck it for sure. But it's also like, now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I actually, I'm glad you brought it up because in my notes, I wrote, if it's no go, <laughs> this is not a rejection. This is not a, re- mm. you're, you are not being rejected right now. And it doesn't mean, although you might feel it in your pain, that you are alone in this world or alone in this quest to save your mother. Um, I, I'll call upon you in that moment, if it happens, to find the abundance in your life, all the good friends that you have, the good relationship mm-hmm. that you have with your mother, the, um, the good times that you've had with your brother. Um, and just like we've said a couple of times in this podcast already, like his reality is his and it doesn't change yours. And some, Absolutely. sometimes people want to face things or like have the tools and the preparedness to talk about how hard things. And other times they don't. And that doesn't mean they don't care about you. doesn't mean he, mm-hmm. he doesn't care about your mother. Um, he just has different tools that he's bringing to the table. That might be hard, but I have a feeling, um, oh brother, that um, that that this is something that you can build. That this rapport with your brother, it's just just like literally any other relationship. It's going to take time and effort. And what you need to decide, like Sam said earlier, is what is your most important goal? Your mo- is your most important goal getting your mother help. Well, he said it. Like you can do that with a sibling that you're not close with. You can say, mm-hmm. hey. I know that this is a very uncomfortable thing to talk about, but we need to deal with this. If that is a goal of yours, but you also have the goal of being closer to your brother, being, you know, becoming a potentially uh, like a potential 
person that he turns to in hard times, then that is a, another great goal that can happen at the same time um, or beforehand or whatever of your other goal. Um, and, and that can happen over, you know, creating shared experiences together, just like any other friendship. Um, mm. The last thing I want to say is, um, I really felt for you in the in in the line that you wrote that said it, it feels too scary to just jump into this subject with him when we have no real rapport. Um, and I want to just say explicitly, like, yeah, things that we have never done before are really scary because our mm. brains cannot. We do not like to process the unknown. That's what the fear is telling you right now is that this mm-hmm. is unknown and unsafe territory. But I want to be, I want to like turn up the volume on the voices in the back of your head that are saying, I can do hard things. I've done hard things before. This is what's important mm-hmm. to me. Um, I'm not afraid of the unknown and I can d- handle any outcome that comes um, from this conversation. I feel like awkward is only awkward. Awkward has so much power that we give it. Um, what do you always say? Yep. Um, awkward doesn't exist yeah that it doesn't exist like all all of a sudden if you realize like why is that awkward why like like why am i making a uh why does this feel uncomfortably oh well i've never done it but i've done things i've Mm -hmm. never done before and 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 what happened well it's like okay the first time i rode about bike that looks terrifying that's literally like a two-wheeled dying machine you know (laughs) like how am i supposed to bike that and it's like oh i'm scared i've never done it before i try it Mm. oh okay it was hard i fell but now i learned how to do it It, and then all of a sudden you have this relief this understanding that this unknown thing is no longer scary because you did it um so i just want you to tap into that like future self like after you have this conversation it's not going to be uncomfortable Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm that's real. Yeah. And I'll just say to to sort of wrap up, there's no right way to have a sibling relationship, right? Like if you and your brother are never close, it doesn't mean that you're bad brother and sister or that you've like failed at this. Um, and so just want to say that so that you can maybe release yourself from some of that. the expectations you might be putting on yourself about this relationship, right? Like the the way that this relationship unfolds is the way that it needs to unfold, um, and it and it's not that you failed if you guys are never close, and it's not that you failed if you guys um, become best friends, right? Right. But there's a there's a level of nuance and, and in betweenness here that that is important to recognize and important to sort of make space for. It's not it might not look exactly like you envisioned it in your head, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. Absolutely, I totally agree. All right, my darling, oh brother, we hope that this helps. We know that you're dealing with a lot right now and you're carrying a lot, Um, but we believe in you and we hope you feel a little less alone. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... All right. It is the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Have you, have you heard about it? Okay, so... I have heard about it, yeah. Um, this is on Netflix. is a documentary about, like, the rise of social media and um, its impact on our um, social conditionings, our, our 
interactions, our elections, mm-hmm. all of these things, um, and the marketing behind um, uh, how they use social media platforms um, to dictate one, not only like how we feel about ourselves, like the endorphin rush we get from a like or a message or things mm-hmm. like that, and and how it's become an absolute addiction. Like, do you roll over and check your email at the first thing in the morning or or social media yes. or whatever? Yeah, me too. In the first thing <laughs> in the fucking morning, if that is uh-huh. not a, tr- a, a a an addiction, I don't know what is. Um, side note: a quote from the episode or from the show, the documentary was, um. Hard drugs and social media are the only two things that call their the people who use them users. <laughs> and I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, so uh it but it also talked about how um the social media algorithms that are at play right now, um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, um, show us uh, spread disinformation and sort of mm-hmm. reinforce the beliefs that we believe, um, whether they're correct or not. And I just want to tell y'all, I saw this out on Netflix, I don't know, like two months ago. And I was like, oh, I should watch that. And then there was like a little voice in the back of my head that was like, but I love Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> or like the voice in the back of my head was like, I don't want to be depressed about like all of, you know, so I put it off. I put it off. I put it off. I put it off. I honestly didn't feel like I had the brain space to watch it until after the election, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and Willow and I watched together and I thought it was really well done, incredibly informative. And it wasn't, I just want to say, I just want to encourage everyone to watch it because I felt empowered by the knowledge that it distributed. Um, mm-hmm. And while it was depressing to an extent to realize like how addicted we are to these um, platforms and how truly harmful they can be like deeply, deeply harmful. Um, it was, it was not as like soul crushing as I feared it to be. Um, and I, I just want to say that because I want everyone to watch it and to like be informed and empowered. And I definitely didn't watch it for like two months because I was scared of it. (laughs) That's legit. Yeah. Yeah, That's scary to know that the thing that brings you joy is also like harming yourself and society. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't, yeah, if you don't believe it, you got, I mean, you have to watch it and think like, mm, they they interview some of the like very early developers of these apps and how they were really incentivized and um, to incentivize for people's attention and how our attention is um, the product, really. It's the product, yeah. which is like fascinating because it's, it's so different than anything else in the yes. world, right? Like, I, like television, movies, like those are all about our attention too. But this is so but not only in like in television and movies, like we're consuming a product that has been created for us in like social media. We are the, the product. product. Like we are, we are both the, the product, the, uh, the consumer and the product mm-hmm. at the same time, which is just wild. I can't, um, it, there were parts of the documentary that I didn't like. Like there is a, um, there's a part that's like, uh, acted out. Like there's a storyline that's, webbed threaded throughout that's supposed to be used to like with actors to illustrate the impact and it was really good like it it illustrated it well but i i would have rather had just straight documentary but i just i can't recommend it more because i do think it's incredibly powerful to understand um the impact on us um i just want everybody to watch it so that they can make um informed uh consensual decisions about what they're what they're doing with their energy 
That's great. Yeah. So it's called The Social Dilemma. Watch it even if you're afraid of it because I did. <laughs> um, and you can find it on Netflix. It also looks like it's available on YouTube if you just Google it. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they control us. I honestly just want to delete it all maybe i'll just keep just break up um okay there we go yeah you can also slide into our dm send us your favorite relationship advice but most importantly you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com which is also where you can find our merchandise that's right please remember to follow us so that you can get new episodes every monday exclusively on spotify and please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month or more, you can get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Big Cats, a.k.a. Spencer. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... It doesn't matter what you were taught when you were younger or what you were told in the past. You get to decide what your relationships look like. You get to decide your boundaries, how you want people to speak to you, who you want to spend your energy with, and how you want to use your heart. You get to decide. And if all else fails, just break up.